Good evening, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of X Talking Ish with your boy X. And unfortunately, as you can see tonight, no ish, and I'll explain that in a second. But let's go ahead and get through the run through. If you're watching us, of course, on Facebook, please make sure you like and share this broadcast. If you are on our Facebook page, go ahead and hit the like button as well. On YouTube, go ahead and hit that red subscribe button and as well that notification bell so you can be notified for shows like this one in the future. And as well, if you are on Twitter, check us out on Periscope. I'm pulling up my phone right now, so you can go ahead and substitute. Oh, my God, I substitute retweet this episode because apparently I don't know what I'm talking about. And you can check everything out on Periscope on XRKS and my personal page at X underscore Williams 81. So, with that being said, as always, we are back once again with a recap of week 12 in the NFL. Um, I'll just circle back on, of course, why Ish isn't here. Unfortunately, it seems as though that the weather bug has come to Houston, has wiped out my brother here, Ish. I can't even ask him how he's doing tonight. Uh, he, he he wanted to send out his his uh, words to let him know, let everybody know that he is okay. Uh, he'll be back next week on the show. He's just under the weather at the moment. Uh, unfortunately, my guy won't be here tonight on the show, but he will be back next week. So, Let's go ahead and get right into the thick of things, recapping week 12 of the NFL season. It was Turkey weekend, Turkey Day. Uh, of course, we had our Thursday games. We also had our first Black Friday football game, which wasn't too pretty of a game at all. Of course, we had our games on Sunday and our Monday Night Football game to wrap up week 12. Let's go ahead and circle back all the way back to Thursday night football or Thursday afternoon football. And let's talk about these Detroit Lions. Now, unfortunately, when you're going through growing pains as a organization, there's going to be some good and there's going to be some bad. But when you are trying to take the next step into becoming one of the premier franchises in the NFL – and not so much for just for on a three to five year basis, but just for the next year. This is what the Lions are trying to do. And for them to put up a stinker like they did on Thanksgiving in in Detroit, um, it's one of those things where it gives the doubters of Detroit Lions uh, fan bases and all the organization itself. It's, it gives them a reason to say, hey, this is the reason why we can't trust you. So for me, looking at the Lions, they're going to have to finish out this rest of the season strong for me to be able to put them – or just to say, not put them anywhere, right? Really just take them seriously going into the playoffs because right now – and we talk about it all the time on the show. It's it's the it's the, the big bad wolves right now in the NFC. I'll – I'll keep it with three at the moment with the Eagles, the 49ers, and the Cowboys. Um, after that, you know, you can add in maybe a team here and there, but for the most part, it's those three. And for the Lions, they're trying to be just in the conversation of four, five, or six, which they are in. They are there, 
But when you have these types of games where you have Jared Goff turning the ball over, it seems as though his play has been very inconsistent the last couple of weeks. Um, I don't know if this is something that cause of concern right now. He is a, a proven veteran in this league to where I feel like he can bounce back for from any shortcoming and, and a little bit of a uh, a yip of a type of stint that he's having these these last couple of weeks. I feel like he can bounce back. Um, the realization is him going out there and doing it, improving. We can all talk about it and, and say what we can do, but if you go out there and go and do it, that's when we really get an opportunity to see what you're made of. So for Jared Goff, it's time for him and the rest of the Detroit Lions team to step up and get back to playing Detroit Lion football. I wish I had my, my guy Ish here to talk about this topic because um, I already know for sure if Ish was on the show tonight, he would be laughing uh, at the Detroit Lions in this game because, um, again, he'll be one of those people that will just say, I told you so. I told you about the Detroit Lions. I told you that they would find a way to let people down once again. And all you can do, again, as a Detroit Lions supporter, is just hang your head right now. Just, again, just, just for this week. Season isn't over with. we still got plenty of weeks of football to play. But this is one of those games where I just feel like you, you should have been able to capitalize and take advantage of the opportunity right in front of you. Again, playing at home national national game, first game of third of that uh, Thanksgiving slate. Um, everything was set up for you pretty much to, to take, and the Lions pretty much shit the bed in lamest terms. All right, let's go ahead and move on to the Commanders and the Cowboys game. Again, game two of the three-game slate for Thursday night uh, Thursday day football. Um, the Cowboys did what you're supposed to do as a good team, took care of business. Um, unfortunately, like unlike the Detroit Lions, uh, like I talked about on the previous topic when it comes to the Cowboys being a part of that upper echelon of the NFC teams at the moment, um, as, as well with the 49ers, who I'll talk about shortly. Uh, when it comes to the Cowboys, they've been playing the way you're supposed to be playing at the midway, past, around this past the midway point, getting into the second half of the season, and being that team that's running on all cylinders at the right time. Um, it doesn't really matter who you play. It's easy to say, oh, competition is bad or, you know, you're not – you know, you're the teams you're playing, it, it doesn't bode well when it comes to how other people view you and who you're beating up on. Well, oh, well, the schedule came out months ago. The Cowboys didn't make the schedule. You play who's in front of you. So for the good or for the bad, it doesn't really when – when the season's over with, when a Super Bowl champion – is is crowned and whoever of course is that super mvp is holding up the trophy we don't look back and say oh well i don't know they didn't really deserve a super bowl because they have to play against this team and this team and this team that's not what we do we of course look back and say hey this team won the championship in 2013 and that was one of 12 or one of what one of one when they won a championship again with for the Cowboys, they're taking care of business and that's all you can know, ask for at this point in time in the NFL season. Um, Dak 
yeah, playing well. I, I think at this point, I'm really just beating a dead horse when it comes to how we view the Cowboys. It's not about what you do in a regular season for the Cowboys. It's about what you guys are going to do in the postseason. And so until I see the Cowboys in the postseason and match up with whoever they're going to match up with, then, of course, I'll be able to evaluate them. Um, now, I do want to bring up the playoff standings at the moment is if the playoff, if the playoffs were to start today, I just want to go over who the Cowboys and anybody else in the NFC who would play at the moment. So playoffs started today. San Francisco 49ers will play the Minnesota Vikings. I'm pretty sure we all know who would probably win that game. Detroit Lions will play the Seattle Seahawks and Atlanta Falcons will play the Dallas Cowboys. Now the Dallas Cowboys have had a very, very, interesting run-ins in the first round of the last couple of years that seems as though that it was kind of an unfair draw for them, even though they, they hosted a couple of playoff games, right? This situation for the Cowboys, even though they will be the road team, if they can't go into Atlanta and beat Atlanta, I don't care if they're playing in Atlanta, in Dallas, on the moon, they better win this damn game. Because if they were to lose to the Atlanta Falcons, and all the huffing and puffing they keep on doing this season, past seasons, Michael Parsons podcast, whatever it is, and they don't get the job done in Atlanta, I don't want to hear shit from the Cowboys, the organization, the, the, the fan base themselves when it comes to why they couldn't get it done once again. So for the Cowboys, let's just follow up on their schedule right quick and see who they got this upcoming week. Uh, or actually, my apologies, two days from now, they actually play the Seahawks. Uh, play the Seahawks. That should be a really good game uh, for both teams. Both teams are are hungry to obviously Cowboys for seeding wise and FC the Seahawks to stay alive as a wild card team um, in that division because most likely the 49ers to keep on doing what they're doing would probably win that division. So I expect that that game to be a really good game again for the Cowboys taking. They are going to be in Dallas. Um, they were at the moment are a nine point favorite. So for the Cowboys, it's, it's take care of business time after the Seahawks, they play the Eagles. Of course, we're highly anticipated game that Sunday night game. Everybody's been waiting on that game for a very long time. Then they play the bills, play the dolphins, the lions and the commanders. Once again, some really good games. Some games where you could take care of business and be able to win 11, 12, 13 games, right? So um, be interesting to see how the Cowboys finish out the rest of the season. They are, again, 8-3 and three at the moment, playing really well, and we'll see how that pans out for them moving forward. All right, let's head over to the Pacific Midwest and – our Pacific Northwest. Woo, that's I don't think that's a site anybody wants to see the Pacific in the Midwest. So my apologies there. The Pacific Northwest 49ers and the Seahawks play uh, rounded up that Thursday night slate. And 49ers took care of business. Again, as a good team is supposed to do, they are eight and three. Again, just want to run through everything that the 49ers are gonna have to go through, especially again it's back half of the season. It's gonna be very interesting to see who plays who. Because a lot of these games are going to be some very nitty-gritty type of games that some of these teams are going to have to go through. 
So don't be surprised at all if you see a lot of names come up over the next three to four weeks. They're going to be out for the season, out for a couple weeks because they're going to be banged up. So, uh, again, I'll run through the 49ers when it comes to their slate of games that they don't have to go through. They play – give me a second. They will play the Eagles this Sunday. Of course, another highly anticipated game that a lot of people have been waiting on. Uh, a week after that, they run it back with the Seahawks in Palo Alto. Uh, then they play against the Cardinals, the Ravens, the Commanders, and then finish it up with the L.A. Rams. So, again, big opportunity for the 49ers to finish up the season strong. Um, they, I'm assuming, would definitely be a, a, a Super Bowl favorite if they're able to finish out their season strong winning. Uh 12, 13 games as well. So we'll see how that all plays out at the moment. The Eagles do have a two-game lead over the 49ers. Um, so really, of course, it's it's the Eagles at, with what's six games left. With six games left uh, with a two-game lead, it's, it's on the Eagles at this point for to, to have – the number one seed in regards of uh, losing losing that by is up it's it's really on them to take care of business. And again, that's really the theme of this week is taking care of your business. And we'll talk about other teams that did not do that. Um, and everything should be copacetic for the Eagles if they want everything to run through Philadelphia and everybody the fan base wise to piss off the opposing team as. The, that that fan base tends to typically do, and uh, we'll, we'll see how that all plays out. Talk about this this episode or just this uh, topic very very briefly. This game itself wasn't the greatest of games, uh, but it showed everybody what we all pretty much expected when it comes to the Jets. This season is over with. It's 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 unfortunate for the Jets, but. It's really nothing that they can do. Uh, Tim Boyle played okay, you know, threw the ball a lot, 27 for 38, 179, uh, Tuggy and two interceptions. But overall, I mean, what's – it just seems like right now, like, it's, it's like what's the end goal, right? Because it, it seems like to me – all season long, nobody has been able to find the right stuff with Dalvin Cook now. Again, I don't know if it's the offensive line. I don't know if it's him not being able to get as, as many carries as he needs to get into his rhythm to be able to be the back that he's supposed to be. Every game that I see him playing, he's getting only two or three touches a game for six yards. He has one carry for two yards uh, this Friday uh, on Black Friday, uh, Amazon special game, and Brees Hall is only carrying the ball for seven times for twenty-five yards. Like the the offense that the Jets are running right now, just due to them not being good, is just very lethargic at this point, and it just seems as though that they just are ready for the season to be over. It's like everybody is. And for the Jets to already be throwing in the towel, it just goes to show you that 
the Jets put a, a lot into Aaron Rodgers and the, the crew that he brought over, and none of it really is paying out, especially a guy like Randall Cobb, which a lot of people really didn't expect too much from Randall Cobb, like myself. Uh, Randall Cobb, of course, good guy, but he wasn't going to be the Randall Cobb of old. He's just part of the package that came along with Aaron Rodgers. Of course, you got a guy like Nathaniel Hackett who – Got thrown under the bus before the season even started, but Daniel Hackett got his first, he got the laugh back. But if the season ends and the Broncos are better than the Jets, which the way that it's looking right now, that could happen, then maybe Sean Payton gets the last laugh. So it's not who lasts first, it's like who's who lasts last, last, last. If you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. But for the Jets, they're waving the white flag. Like I just think this season is over with in the way that they have not utilized Alvin Cook. I feel bad for him because he's definitely not going to get his payday anytime soon because if he puts if he puts up these type of numbers to whoever he wants to get a contract from, they're not going to give him the type of money that he wants. Um, it seems as though it was going to be a match made in heaven, obviously before the season started and, of course, before Darren Rodgers' injury. And I'll just point out to Javier's comment. He says, that Rodgers injury killed the season, in my opinion. Back to the drawing board again. The whole playbook went through Aaron's head. I mean, pretty much when you have a quarterback of Aaron Rodgers' caliber, the guys like a Peyton Manning, the guys like a Patrick Mahomes, the guy like a Tom Brady, you know, so on and so on. When you have a coach on the field, it makes things a lot easier for everybody, not just the offense, but also for the defense as well, too. When you remove that component from a team, we're getting what we're getting with the Jets. And he's not the only one. I mean, again, you can take away Lamar from the Ravens. You could take away C.J. Stroud from the Houston Texans, right? I mean, there are a number of guys that you can take away, and all of a sudden their team looks like mush. So, again, it is what it is. You take away two from the Dolphins, right? Talking about this is exact this, this game when it comes to the, uh, the opposing team. We've seen Tua that's when he's not the quarterback for the Dolphins. They become a third world country. I mean, they just they're not who they are, right? So it's 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 the reason why a lot of these quarterbacks get paid 40 plus million dollars a year as well, because of how valuable they are to the franchise. But that's another topic for another day. All right. So talked about, of course, those games. Let me follow up with a game where we talked about how teams that took care of business. And I feel as though this is a team that should have took care of business, but they didn't. Even though they were not a favorite at home, I feel as though the Houston Texans, I picked them to win this game. I feel as though they could have and they probably should have beat the Jags in Houston. Now, I do know there were a lot of a lot of iffy calls, a lot of bad calls. I know it's probably going to be the first thing. A lot of Texan fans, if you're watching us, you're going to say, the ref sucked. You know, it wasn't that good of an opportunity for the Texans to be able to take advantage of the situation they were in. And I understand. And I'm not going to discredit people's frustrations when it comes to the referees because it happens. But overall, you got to play through it. And that's just a part of football. You know, nobody wants to hear it. It's something I've been a part of since I was a kid. It's bullshit. I've been a part of bullshit games. I've been a, been a part of bullshit situations to where I thought I could be able to 
get away with something and then they bite me in the ass. So with that being said, I hope for the Texans, this isn't a game that comes back and bite them in the ass because I think they have a serious opportunity to be able to make the playoffs in the AFC. But for them, could a game like this be the reason why you might miss a game by or miss the playoff by a game or even half a game, right? So look at the upcoming schedule and before the Jaguars beat the Broncos, I'm sorry, my apologies. Before the Texans beat the Jaguars, my apologies. Coming into this game, you're looking at the schedule, and this is obviously before the Broncos went on their little streak that they're going on right now. And then you look at the Broncos and you say, okay, maybe that's a winnable game. Um, and then you play the Jets the week after that, which winnable game. The week after that, you play the Titans and the Browns and the Titans again and then the Colts. So the last four, three out of four games that you played in the season are against divisional opponents. And if you know anything, obviously, about the, the divisional games, things get a little wacky, as we just saw right now with the Jacksonville Jaguars, Houston Texans. First game of their matchup that they played earlier in the season in week three, Texas blew out the Jaguars at home, right? So coming into this matchup, you would think that because Texans are in Houston and they're playing at home now, maybe they should not just win but at least win comfortably, where it's at least probably 10 points or so, and be able to get out of Houston with the dub. Not so fast, my friend. Jaguars were able to come in with a really, really good game plan uh, for both sides of the ball, and that's just old-school veteran Doug Peterson being able to be who he is and Dougie P and being able to set up a good game plan. Because at the end of the day, we got to also remind everybody, yes, um, there are some influences of the game because it's just, it just it is what it is. I'm not going to elaborate on that. But a lot of people do get paid a lot of money to be able to coach these players and put them in the right position to be successful. So, yes, the Jag- or the Texans got the Jaguars in week three, but Dougie P was not going to allow that to happen in week 12. So you got to give your hats off to the Jaguars. Definitely fought for that victory. Um I'm pretty sure they would turn a blind eye to some of the iffy calls that were called or weren't called. Of course, another big call that made up that made a really, really big impact in the game, the Tank Dell uh, catch, no catch. Uh, we obviously have seen the pictures online. Uh, we've seen a lot of people say, hey, let's um, um, protest the game. But I'm pretty sure none of that's going to happen. So, unfortunately, these Texans, Texans they're going to have to just take that L and just move on and See how everything plays out. Um, again, I think Texas have an opportunity to go to the playoffs. They just got to finish strong, and we'll see who does not finish strong. All right, let's go ahead and talk about this ugly game. I really don't want to, but kind of have to, just because you got to give a little bit of respect, or I say a lot of respect to, of course, Mike Tomlin. Once again, um, Tomlin being able to bring – a limping team that we call the Pittsburgh Steelers to the playoffs. I mean, at the moment, they are seven and four. Uh, again, if the playoffs started today, uh, the playoffs started today, they would be the fifth seed. So you could say what you want about the way they're winning. You could say what you want about how the quarterback is playing. You could say what you want about, about how – it's not pretty. At the end of the day, 
a W is a W, especially in a league that's very, very tough to get W's. Um, at this point in the season, to be seven and four, I think a lot of people would rather be seven and four than four and seven, right? So even though, and I've talked to Steeler fans, of course, a lot about the way that the season is going and the way Co- uh, Coach Tomlin goes about coaching and the way the players have been playing and the maybe sometimes the lack of motivation, the lack of energy, the whatever it is that's going on. Mike Thomas still finds a way, and the rest of the coaching staff still finds a way to get the best out of these players. Um, And to be able to win this game on the road, um, it just, again, shows you how good of a coach Mike Tomlin is. And if Pittsburgh wants to let go of Mike Tomlin and don't want to, you know, keep, you know, keep on to him, he's he's more than welcome to come to Nashville. We're more welcome to let – Mike Vrabel headed back up there to New England. If he really wants to go to New England that bad and coach after Belichick, I would love to have me some Mike Tomlin in, Na- in Nashville to coach Tennessee Titans. That's just how I feel. I don't think any of that's going to happen. But if you listen to Mike, help your boy out, help Tennessee Titans out, maybe we can run something in the AFC South. But I don't think the sales are going to let you go anytime soon. And if an organization is smart, they would definitely find a way to keep you because – I mean, until until he shows and proves that he can't do this, uh, why are we continuing to keep doubting a man that hasn't had hasn't even had a losing season in the NFL yet? Somebody explain that to me. So think about this: people continue to keep having question marks on a guy who has never had a losing season while coaching, who has won a Super Bowl, and is on pace to have another not losing season. Again, and I understand that Super Bowl is the goal, especially for an organization like the Pittsburgh Steelers. But everybody can't win it, right? Everybody can't win it every year. So to be, in, be able to be in contention almost every year, that's something that that's the least you can ask for as a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. Getting the job done, that's a different story. But for right now, Pittsburgh Steelers are doing what they're supposed to do when it comes to putting themselves in position to be able to get ready for that winter football in December, January, and hopefully for them February. Now, right now, I don't have any Mike Tomlinisms. I wish I had my uh, my guy, Landon Roberts, to be able to let me know some uh, Mike Tomlinisms. But next time I have him on the show, I'll, I'll make sure I try to pry some out of him. But uh, uh, watch out for the Steelers. Definitely was not looking – I was definitely wasn't looking for them to be one of the teams that uh, come out of that division, but a lot of times you need to have that motivate. You need to have that negative outside noise to help motivate a team within each other to say, "Hey, it's it's Pittsburgh versus everybody else, right?" So maybe that's something that they're able to uh, bring to the table themselves as the Steelers. All right, let's go ahead and. Let's talk about the Chiefs and the Raiders. Um, this was an inter- this was an interesting game for a lot of different reasons. I thought um, if you watched the game, please let me know if you saw this game. But uh, the reason why I thought it was interesting mainly was because the Raiders do it to themselves once again. Doesn't matter who their coach is. Doesn't matter who their quarterback is. Doesn't matter what city they're playing in. It just seems like the Raiders are 
on the short end of the stick a lot more times than they are on the good side of things when it comes to anything positive going for them, and especially if they're playing the Chiefs. Now, and I'm talking about mainly in the Patrick Mahomes here. Before that, uh, back and forth, Raiders might get them more than the Chiefs. Chiefs might get them a couple of times. But during the Patrick Mahomes era, of course, Patrick Mahomes is 9-1 and against the Raiders. Added another W, so he's now 10-1 and against the Raiders. Sorry to spoil the uh, the, the uh, game there if you didn't watch it. But I was paying attention to one of my favorite co uh, – I would call him a co-host. I wouldn't call him a guest anymore since he's on the show so much. My boy KC, he was doing a, a lot of uh, betting throughout the weekend, and one of the couple of bets that he was making, apparently he was making some live bets during this game when the Chiefs were actually down – so he was he's a smart guy because he said, you know what, I'm gonna wait for the Chiefs to be down a little bit, wait for my return on my investment on my, on this bet. So I think at the time, I think it was a plus one ninety he was able to get uh when it comes to the Chiefs being down. He put a couple of dollars down. Of course, Chiefs came back won this game. So shout out to my, my guy KC for believing as always in his Kansas City Chiefs because he knew he would they would get the job done. Uh one point in time, of course, uh Chiefs and the Raiders were tied uh, at the half. But in the second half, Chiefs took over, scored 17 to the Raiders' three. Uh, and the rest is history on that one. Um, it just comes down to, besides the talent aspect on both sides, it just comes down to we've been there, done that before. We, 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 we've been through this. We've been through the trenches. We, we know how to get out of bad situations. And the Raiders are just part of bad situations. I mean, um, Josh Jacobs, of course, is a shining light for that team. For the most part, it seems like with that organization, it just it just looks like what 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 can go wrong will go wrong, unfortunately. Um, and honestly, I'm happy for them that nothing else has really gone bad off the field player-wise for them so, so far. It's not going to win, of course. Not going to win on that one, but uh, been very calm in that organization. You know, maybe they need to have something pop off so they can maybe have some type of second-half run and play for a player that's not on the team anymore. Uh, but for right now, it, this, is an, this is an audition for Antonio Pierce to hopefully maybe become the head coach for the Las Vegas Raiders moving forward. Uh, because to be able to have what six eight games eight games to be able to coach um, a team, of course, that you grew up loving and and and, and caring about, you know, more so than any team in the NFL. We already know we're going to get your all, but we also need to know if you can actually coach. So for him to be able to get real eight real games to play this out, um, it's going to be great for him now. Of course, other news that came out of this game was the release of um, uh, Marcus Peters for the LA, or, I'm sorry, the Las Vegas Raiders, due to apparently there was a spat between head coach Antonio Pierce and Marcus Peters. Seems as though about maybe assignment on the field um, and also maybe just overall play. Uh, Antonio Pierce decided to bench Marcus Peters. Um, and it seems as though that he's also been released after that. Uh, he did go on waivers. I haven't seen him so far being picked up, uh, unless I'm 
missing some news. And since we're on the show right now, let's go ahead and look it up while we're here because if Ish was here, he would have looked it up for me, but I'm pretty sure you look it up. So right now I'm reading a report from CBS.com's Marcus Peters landing spots. Looks like could be the Dolphins 49ers all among possible fits for the Raiders. Uh, I did talk to my guy, uh, Javon Pinkston. He is a 49ers fan. He did bring up the 49ers, which coming, I mean, you know, thinking about it, I mean, he's again, he's a Cali guy. He's played for almost all the Cali teams so far. I had played for the 49ers. I mean, you check the boxes out today. You just got to play for the Chargers and, and make a clean sweep. Um, but um, the Marcus Peters, great, you know, how let's just say, great corner in his prime, not what he used to be, can be a serviceable cornerback. The question is, is are coaches okay with dealing with his attitude and just who he is as a person? Um, it seems as though he's kind of wearing out his welcome at certain places. And, again, I could be wrong. If anybody knows Marcus Peters better than I do, please let me know. But it comes a point in time where there's no, there's no problem being passionate about the game. There's no problem being a adjutant or being a pest, being somebody that's trying to – you know, be the best DB version of yourself to be able to disrupt this raw receiver. But it comes to, also comes to a point in time where you start becoming a nuisance for a team and you're not, since your productivity isn't up, the the amount of leash that you're given is not as long as it used to be. So for Marcus Peters, it'll be interesting to see where he lands, if it's with an organization that's already built and ready to go, like the 49ers, you had just add another piece like they did with Chase Young and add Marcus Peters wouldn't hurt at all. Um, but again, it just I think it just really comes down to what organization he falls to. All right, Browns and Broncos. Not gonna spend too much time on this. Broncos took care of business 29-12, like I said, with their uh streak they had they have going on. Um they have, if you want to double check, they are, I got, just wanted to double check, winners of their last six in a row. Actually, I'm probably just five. My apologies. Apparently, I can't, I can't count. Winners of their last five games, they do play Houston Texans this upcoming Sunday, which, again, a very, very important game for both parties. So I expect that game to be a really, really good game between, um, of course, the Gunslingers, uh, Russ Wilson, and C.J. Stroud. So watch out for that game. That one is in the early early slot at 12 o'clock here in Houston. So uh, expect a lot of uh, fireworks in that game. After that, the Broncos play the Chargers, the Lions, the Patriots, the Chargers, and the Raiders. So the Broncos, man, look. They really could be the second half team that we are taking seriously going into the playoffs if they are able to get this all settled in and being able to make this run. It seems like this marriage between Russell Wilson and uh, Sean Payton is, is working. Um, it's not about how you start, it's always about how you finish. And this Broncos team is definitely finishing strong. Um, six and five look ugly now, but hey, um, what? 10 and 7, you know, 11 and 11 and 6, you know, that looks a lot better. So 
again, it's not about how you start. It's not about where you are in the middle of the season. It's about how you end. So for the Broncos, the way that the season started with just a lot of little, a lot of the hoopla, if you can end the season with 10, 11 wins, that's a damn good way to to start to start start your tenure off as the head coach of Armstrong and Payton. For the Browns, them with those guys being seven and four, and of course with no Watson, um, I look at the situation kind of more so with like the uh, Minnesota Vikings, but without the great defense when it comes to without the quarterback for those guys, it's just hard for me to take this team seriously. So you know, for without Watson being there. DTR is a good quarterback. He's a good serviceable quarterback, again, just like Dobbs. But the magic is running out, and the magic is just not there anymore. And, again, he played well, 14 for 29, 134, one touchdown. No turnovers, right? That's a good stat line. Anytime you have no turnovers, that's a good stat line from the quarterback. But it's just not enough. And when – you're only limited to do certain things in the playbook because you don't have the same amount of skill set as the guy you're replacing. Puts you very, very one-dimensional uh, within the offense. So for the Browns, I I don't think they make it in the playoffs. I I, I spoke about it in the uh, mid-season review, um, and also just a couple of my belt just a couple weeks ago as well too when we were talking with Adrian uh, here on the show, Adrian Lunsford. When it comes to, I think it could be just only two teams make the playoffs in that AFC, and it probably might be the Ravens and the Steelers. If the Browns find a way to fall out and not make the playoffs, unfortunately. All right, let's go ahead and head over to the Bills and the Eagles game. Let me go ahead and let me get off. Water break in because I'm over here dying because I can't get a break over here. My boy Ish ain't on, on the show. But guys who can get a break is the kicker for the Eagles, Mr. Uh, uh, damn, I can't remember his name right now. Let me go. I can't Mr. Jake Elliott. There we go. Mr. Jake Elliott with the game winter, or uh, sorry, the, the game tire to head. To the overtime, and of course, Jalen Hurts finished the game off with that game and the run. Um, the Eagles are doing what they need to do when it comes to taking care of business. They have a serious mindset and, and go about when it comes to this season. Uh, I don't know if anybody has seen, of course, the the video uh, replays of the faces of Jalen Hurts and Jess and Jason Kelsey, or you know, how. They went about after watching the game tying kick go through. Um, you know, most people you see, of course, uh, you know, fist pump. You know, a great job. We're going to overtime. We're excited. Woohoo! Um, you know, you might, of course, see a, a, a sigh of relief. You know, yeah, oh Jesus, yeah, we're going to overtime. These guys were just straight up. Damn it! You know, if if we could have taken care of business on our end, we wouldn't have to worry about putting our kicker in this position. To be able to kick this field goal, and I, it was kind of—I ain't gonna lie—I I saw it. I thought it was kind of a—it's uh, kind of scary because again, you don't really get that thing. You don't get that reaction out of out of people. So to see that reaction from those guys, look—you know—I know the Eagles have been talked about all season long when it comes to the brotherly brotherly shove and 
obviously Jason Kelsey being brothers with Travis and Taylor Swift stuff and you know the Eagles just you know at one point in time Taylor Hurts was leading leading the league in interceptions and there's just been a lot of hoopla right a lot of stuff that's been going on circling around them but one thing when it comes down to the Eagles and I'm just speaking on these last two years when it's time to get a nitty-gritty win they usually get those and if you're not ready to ball your fist up and you're not ready to fight for every little yard, every little you know play and everything that you do on both sides of the ball, it's going to be very hard to beat the Philadelphia Eagles, especially in Philadelphia. If everything runs through Philly in the NFC, hey, 49ers, you got an opportunity, obviously, this upcoming, this upcoming weekend to uh, take a little bit of revenge on the Eagles, but we all know that just because you win this game, no matter who, who wins, the Eagles or 49ers, it don't mean shit until we get back into the playoffs and, and we run it back once again. So for me, it's a, good, it's a good measuring stick for both teams. We get to see how good both these teams are. But I I don't really want to hold too much weight. I think it really just comes down to how the game just – what it comes down to and how it's played. If it's a blowout, if it's a close game, you know, if it's if it's um, a game that was that was um, manipulated due to the refs' error, you know, whatever that it comes down to, we'll discuss all that obviously on Tuesday next week when we recap Week 13. But for the most part, it's just a really good measure for both teams, and I think this is something that. Um, when coaches in the in pre you know uh, training camp and in the preseason before we start the regular season, you obviously want to have scrimmages against other teams so you can see for yourself how good your team is. But the interesting thing about scrimmages is that you're going full speed, but you're also going um, full speed not to hurt each other. So it's one of those things where it's like you're you're always pulling back. So, you, yeah, you get a good look, and, yeah, you kind of get to see how good your team is against somebody else, but you really don't get that that full look unless it's in a real game. That's what we get to see this upcoming Sunday against both of these teams. Uh, we actually get to see everything live, and we'll go from there on how good both of these teams are now. Weather-wise, I'll just take a look. It's supposed to be 48 degrees uh probably cloudy no snow no no crazy winds at the moment nothing like that to where that should be a factor uh of this game so we'll see how that all plays out next week but for the bills now i did say i did pick the eagles and i did say the bills would lose this game but i will say that the eagle the bills did play a lot better of football than than i would expect them to because of just the way that they've been playing the last couple of weeks it just seems as though that they that they really kind of want to pack it up and and just finish off this season and just say, hey, you know, fuck it, it's, it's over with. We're over. we're six and six. We're a mediocre team. We're we're a half half ass team, and you know, we got to find some way to get better. But they came out and they they balled out. They played well. I think you know Josh Allen. Um, you know, again, even though. Stat line looks the way it looks, 29-51, which you throw the ball 51 times, you're really not going to win that game majority of times than that. 339, two touchdowns, a pig. He also carried the ball nine times for 81 yards, two touchdowns. Um, 
even though the game statistically looked good uh, and they and they did play well, you didn't get the job done, and that's getting a W, and that's what we are here for in this league is to go out here and get Ws. No matter how ugly it looks like the Pittsburgh Steelers or how pretty they sometimes might look like the Miami Dolphins or uh, the Kansas City Chiefs from time to time, it's all about getting that W by any means necessary. So for the Bills, hey, I, I, no, I'm not going to be a dead horse. I'm just going to move on. But a lot of things to address in the offseason for the Bills and how they want to go about this organization moving forward. All right, let's go ahead and wrap it up with um, Sunday night football. Oh, my apologies. Let me go ahead and recap. My apologies. Let's not wrap it up with Sunday night football. So I got one more game. My apologies. Sunday night football, Ravens versus Chargers. Uh, Lamar Jackson, of course, Ravens took care of business there with um, um, with the Chargers doing and being who they are once again. Brandon Staley doing what he does best, which is just mess up every opportunity for Justin Herbert. But surprisingly, I'm not going to blame Brandon Staley all the way on this game. I'm just going to chalk it up to Ravens just being a better team. Ravens just are overall a better team. They wanted it more, and we all knew what this was. We knew what this was going to be. The Chargers knew what was up, right? Like, this this isn't, this isn't anything that's surprising. And that's why I said I'm not going to spend too much time on this game because it's what I said earlier, teams taking care of business. The Ravens did that. Um, until the Ravens show otherwise why they can't be trusted, they are one of the perennial teams in the AFC. And, I mean, Lamar Jackson doing Lamar Jackson things. Of course, another record broken once again, being able to be the fastest of 5,000 rushing yards. Uh, and that team and that player, as in Lamar Jackson, just needs to do what I'm waiting for him to do, which is, like I say all the time, playoffs. Prove it in the playoffs. I just want him to have a playoff run that allows the haters to, to shut up for a little bit on how he plays and his playing style and everything that he does. Uh, but until then, Lamar Jackson is a human high reel. That's great. Just in the regular season, which we need to translate that into the postseason. And it'll be good to go. All right, now let's go ahead and wrap it up tonight with Monday Night Football, Bears versus Vikings. Now, this was a snooze fest of a game, unless you just like that old school type of defensive football with no touchdowns and a lot of field goals, which, again, not the greatest. But overall, we'll say it, it was it was a very interesting game. I did I did like the game plan for Justin. Um, oh my apologies, Justin Fields. And Chicago Bears, uh, a lot of throws, a lot, a lot of throws near the line of scrimmage, screens, uh, getting the ball out quickly, two wide receivers, let them do their thing. Uh, obviously, I liked them when they worked, but there were a lot of times when they just didn't work. And I felt as though the Bears should have maybe started going away from that and throwing, throwing more slants or just curls, hitches, you know, again, just to get out of that bubble screen crap because there were times that, Seemed like it got a little dangerous, a little bit of um, congested within the offense, running these types of screens. 
But for the Bears to be able to come into Minnesota, Justin Fields, 27-37, 217. Here what I said, no touchdowns, no interceptions. So that's the main thing. 12 carries on the ground for 59 yards. That in itself is what was the biggest difference maker in this game. Comparison to Josh Dobbs, 22 for 32, 185, one touchdown, four interceptions. Uh, we talk about it all the time. Obviously, football is a game of not just inches, but it's also, um, but it's also um, about the turnover battle. And if you're not able to win a turnover battle, a lot of times you're not able to win the game. And that's what happened with the Minnesota Vikings. Two, uh, four turnovers on the Vikings. Two turnovers for the Bears. Of course, that is a plus two for the Bears, minus two for the Vikings. And this is actually this game was the had the most turnovers in the game in a game this NFL season so far. So overall, just very sloppy play, very um old school three yards and no cloud of dust, just type of game to where if this is the type of football that you enjoy, then hey, I hope you enjoy your damn Monday night football with your probably Bush Light and a Hungry Man Meal or something. I don't know, but this was not exciting to watch at all. Now, don't get me wrong, Chicago Bears, for whatever reason, play a lot better on prime time. I saw that weird set, which, again, is very weird. Um, but to be on prime time, we got to have minimum at least one touchdown per team. I think that's, that's also something that needs to be put into the bylaws of prime time games. And I'm talking to you, too, also, New York Jets. You're, you're not a, you're not getting away from this either, too, when it comes to y'all lack of performances on prime time and and a couple I said, a couple of you guys. Don't you maybe get out of here, New York Giants. Get out of here naming names, Atlanta Falcons, New Orleans Saints. But uh anywho, I'll leave it alone for tonight. And we can follow it back up on Sunday for our pregame show here for week 13 of the NFL season. Yep, like I said, season comes by. Slow and it, and, it, and it comes by fast as hell, all at the exact same time. So, once again, join us on Sunday for week 13 pregame show. Thank you guys. See y'all next time here on Next Talk Media.